Hi, and welcome to Straling Grace Coaching, where women train for victory, not victimhood. I'm Carrie, your host and conservative women's coach. For women who still believe Jesus is king, America is beautiful, and hope brings eternal when you step out in faith. Let's do this. All right, let's do this. That's what we're saying here, right? Let's go for it. So my name is Carrie, and this is my first podcast for Straling Grace, where I'm coaching women to victory. That means no more victimhood. And you may be wondering how I got here, who I am exactly, what I've done, what qualifies me to be here, which is a whole nother story, and my philosophy. I hope that by the end of this podcast that you are kind of interested, that you want to know more, that you're willing to check out some future podcasts. And of course, I really hope that you leave a comment or send me an email at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I, at straylinggrace.com. It's S-T-R-A-H-L-E-N. G-R-A-C-E. So Carrie at straylinggrace.com is my email. I hope that you come check my, out my website, straylinggrace.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear about you and your story as well. I'm always interested in what women are doing or what you know even men are doing to overcome difficulties in life and challenges that have been faced to them. And our, our struggles are so unique and yet so similar. So you know those days when you watch a movie and you see the, the heroine of the movie wakes up one day and just realizes that her life isn't going the way she expected it to. She thought she had a plan for how everything was going to go. And all of a sudden she realizes, hey, you know what? This is not, not the life that I had planned. This is not the life I thought I was going to lead. Yeah, well, my life is kind of like that. And I can say though that it was a sudden waking up one day to realize that, although I'll get to some of that in a minute. What I think happened more was that it was a series of little decisions that were made in bad ways, maybe with some bad background knowledge, some, uh, maybe some insecurities, some doubt, self-doubt. And I think a lot of that resulted from abusive relationships that I had been in uh, years before when I was even young. Um, still hard to talk about sometimes, I have to admit that. And every time I got into a, an abusive relationship, it kind of confirmed what I thought I knew about myself. And it paved the path for the next destructive or abusive relationship. And that paved the path for another destructive and abusive relationship. And it got to the point where I didn't even realize what I was kind of getting myself into. So it's not so much that I woke up suddenly one day. It's kind of like, I guess when I look at things, the ocean can kind of work in two ways. In a tornado and a hurricane or whatever it is, a hurricane, I guess, the uh, the, the tide comes in, the water downpours, the waves are big, and destruction happens in rapid ways. Um, you see a quick change of the shoreline, maybe. But generally what happens is that the ocean just repeatedly, those waves come in and pound the sand and pound the sand and pound the sand. And if that sand isn't replaced, the sand eventually wears away and the shoreline has changed over time. And I think the same thing happens with people. When we have a belief about ourselves and we grow up with that belief or relationships that we have confirm that belief, and then what ends up happening is that we end up being warm and comfortable in our mess. <laughs> so if you picture that baby sitting there in that diaper, it's kind of like what we're doing in our lives. We sit there in that warm comfort zone of, just yuck that life is because it's familiar to us. And what's familiar is easier than stepping out into doing something that's more challenging or harder. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's, it takes a little bit of bravery and a little bit of 
faith and just letting go of past beliefs. And that's really a tough thing to do. So I think that's kind of what started me on the journey to where I am today is all of those missteps and all of those back ideas of not knowing where I was going and ending up putting myself in precarious positions and with people that were either being abused also or who were abusive. And sometimes the two were hard to tell the difference. But you, when you believe a certain way, you tend to attract people who also believe in that same way. Again, it goes back to that being comfortable in your own mess. You want to be with people who confirm what you believe that you know about yourself and about the world. So there I was after all those series of abusive relationships and all the series of yuck in my life. And I have to take some certain responsibility too. I certainly wasn't living a, a chaste Catholic life. I did go to church pretty much every Sunday for my entire life. So I gave God a quick hour and checked off my list and went on and did what I needed to do other uh, six days and 23 hours of the rest of the week. So, you know, I, I have to admit that this is some of it's got to come on me too. And if I don't admit that, and I don't learn to, to take responsibility for my actions, that's a major problem because then I know I am a victim. That's where victim mode comes in is where I say, you know, this is not my fault. It was done to me. Yes, that's true in a lot of circumstances, but if you don't admit where you can make changes, you never will make those changes. So that kind of goes into maybe I'm weaving my philosophy in on some of this part here instead of laying it out at the end. So my philosophy is that you have to, or part of my philosophy is that you have to understand where your mistakes are and take full responsibility for them so that you can make changes and not make those same mistakes again. All right. So let's get back to the point at hand. So kind of like that heroine in the movie, I did not wake up one day and realize that my entire life changed that, you know, that this was not the life that I expected. It was kind of a wearing away of time over time. What did happen suddenly, however, was I was in love with my husband. We had rocky times. We had some ups and downs, like every marriage does. We were married for 14 years and he woke up one day and decided he didn't want to be married anymore. We went from renewing our vows on Valentine's day to on mother's day. He told me he was leaving. He gave us a week's notice and moved out. It was a uh, unbelievable experience. Looking back, I can really kind of go, wow, we survived. That's amazing that we survived this because I, there were times where I wasn't sure I was going to. Even on Mother's Day morning, I had no idea that he had begun an affair or that, that things were going as badly as they were. I really, I had no idea. I was also five months pregnant with our fifth little boy. So I will throw that part in there also. The pregnancy was difficult. We had, I had some complications. Um, I was very sick. I was on a home IV. I had dropped in blood pressure. I lost a lot of weight with the pregnancy. And we were concerned that the baby would have grave syndrome and some other things. So there was that on top of everything else. So Needless to say, Mother's Day night, I found out that I was going to be a single mom. I was five months pregnant with that fifth little boy. My oldest was 11 at that time. And my entire world shook. It rocked upside down. I thought my husband was the one person that I could really count on in the entire world. Again, remember, I didn't realize, I think, again, when you make so many mistakes and you don't know what qualities to look for in another person, you don't recognize red flags that are there. So there I was, five months pregnant, single mom, uh, with five little boys, including the one in my belly. 
And I was, I had been a stay at home mom. I had given up my teaching career to allow my husband to work. He had tried staying home for a year with our oldest son and hated it. And all I ever wanted to be was a wife and mother. That's, that's, I think the, the women's highest calling. I know that's going to get me torn apart in the feminist circles, but that's not, I'm not here to impress anybody. And this is my belief and I'll stand by it. So I found myself as a single mom no job. <laughs> I had just been made part-time youth minister of our church, but that was more of a volunteer position almost. It was paid, but not, not certainly not enough to survive and support a family on. Uh, typical times, I'll kind of skim over some of that. Let's just say that my ex was not a cooperative absentee spouse. <laughs> we did lose our house in foreclosure due to uh, lack of child support and some other things that were going on. It was, it was a tough time. How does a single mom of five boys with no job and now a wrecked credit rating find housing for her children? How do I provide daycare and find a job? I had a master's in education, but my master's in education had been expired. New York State required consecutive years of teaching and blah, blah, blah. Um, and my license had expired. It was always something that I would go back to eventually, but was not high on my priority list when I was raising five children or four children and then found out I was pregnant with this unexpected surprise, little blessing, wonderful, best, best, best surprise ever. So we, I ended up having this baby by myself. I actually had a neighbor come who I owe so much to. She's just amazing that she came and sat with that, sat with me through the birth. And that was kind of a funny experience too, which I can tell about another time also. But uh, we had, I had the baby alone. I came home alone. When the baby was three days old, I found out that my husband had filed for a divorce. So now I have a newborn. I have five children. We had had summer plans to go away. So the kids and I were completely shocked. Like, how did this happen? Our life went from nobody. I didn't know. The kids didn't know. Friends and family who knew us didn't know. Nobody expected my husband to leave. So it was just, it blew us away. Uh, yeah, I, I still like am kind of shocked by it. Sometimes it's been 11 years and it's still like the, the pain is gone. The whatever, I just like, you, you would throw away a family that loves you so much that would do anything for you for whatever life he's got now. And I guess that's just what he chose. So here I am, five little boys, no job, losing my home. Luckily, I had done the Dave Ramsey plan, so I did have some savings put away, and we weren't totally destitute, but we had, we had really cold winter that first winter. We had help from our local Lions Club and like the, the churches and you know people. We live in a small town, and our small town is so great. I can't imagine doing this in a big city where you know, nobody knows you. Our small town stepped up. I had been youth minister. I had been CYO basketball coach. I had been PTA mom and all sorts of other stuff. And the community really rallied around us and came together and provided and really just helped us out. Um, that also meant I couldn't escape. So if I tried to go to the grocery store or tried to get a gallon of milk, I had to answer questions everywhere. <laughs> so that, that caused its own issues. But everybody knew our story. Everybody knew every detail about us the gossips and the, you know, everything. And, and people I think really were trying, they, I don't say gossip in a mean way. I think people were, um, you know, divorce isn't just, doesn't just affect the couple. It affects the children astronomically for the rest of their lives, but it also affects extended family. It affects friends and it affects an entire community and the government and everything. Like, you know, what? I'll get off on a tangent if I go into this too much. 
But anyway, here I was, five little boys, trying to find a house, place to live, kept getting rejected place after place. I had one place tell me that, yeah, that, you know, they might be able to rent to me, but with five kids, they'd do anything they could to get me out of there as quickly as possible. State laws would not allow them to deny me a house um, or deny me an apartment, I guess I was looking at at the time, but that if I did get the apartment and I left my garbage out or did something, you know, small, they would find any excuse to evict me and I would be in that same situation again. Definitely not what I wanted was to have my boys move from one house to another, to another, to another. I was very fortunate that my mom cashed in her retirement and things and bought us a house and we rent from her now. But my heart goes out because I know that there are women in my situation who do not have that family support and do not have that financial ability. And one of my goals is to help those women and help others find a reason to make it because you have to find a reason within yourself and outside of yourself. And that goes into my philosophy. Again, you've got to live for a cause bigger than you are. You cannot live for yourself and your own, your own power. That doesn't, that doesn't cut it. All right, get off the philosophy. Let's go back. So basically I have five boys. <laughs> I keep going back to that because I still think God really, you trusted me with five boys. That's amazing and crazy. I had five boys. I worked two to three jobs um, when they were little, all part-time jobs. So I was piecing together a tutoring, tutoring business here and working an hour and a half tutoring people up in this area and working another 45 minutes down south of me. And gosh, what else did I do? I taught GED classes, home, um, high school equivalency classes for, and that was really amazing because I saw myself in a lot of those people women who are returning to get their high school equivalency after having had really hard lives. And, but by the grace of God, go I, like, I'm not sure why their lives turned out the way they did. And mine was turning out the way mine was by the grace of God. I graduated high school and I went to college and I went to go on to do some really cool things. I saw myself in these women and the hard lives that they had had, and it, it just touched me. And really, I, my heart just wants to help. Uh, what else did I do? I can't even, I can't even remember. I substitute taught. I tutored. I, I can't even remember all the jobs that I had in all these different positions. And then in addition to that, I also had been, all right, so here's something else. I was an elementary school teacher. And had thought of when I was younger being a writer like that, if I had my ideal position as a, as a you know, student in high school, middle school, even elementary school, I remember reading Laura Ingalls' Little House in the Big Woods, and I sat down to write my memoir of when I was 10 or something of Little Apartment in the Big City, because I had been born in the Bronx and moved out before I could even remember it. But you know, that was, that was going to be my first book was Little, Little Apartment in the Big City, just like Little House in the Big Woods. So I was much more of a writer, a history, U.S. history. I love history, especially when the stories come to life. It's amazing. But I had gone on an interview years before my husband left, and the gentleman who interviewed me said, you know, he really liked, and this was my second round of interviews at this district, and he said, I really like everything you have to say, but we're looking for men and minorities at the elementary level, and you'll never get a job in our district. And I just went, wow. And people said, oh, you should sue him. You know, how can he say that to you? And I thought, well, it's a one-on-one -on -one interview, first of all. It would be my word against his. And it was really interesting for him to say that because it gave me something to jump off on later when I really needed that job, when I had those five kids. And I thought back to that interview and I thought, wow, you know, I could either get a job 
as an elementary school teacher again and, and update my teaching certification. But New York State said it would take 60 college credits. Despite my having a master's degree, New York State said it would take 60 college credits for me to update my elementary school license. Because they said that New York State knew that they had learned so much about child development that they didn't know when I graduated from, from college. And I thought to myself, man, I have five kids. I know so much more about child development than some 22-year-old with a piece of paper in her hand. But that's, again, another story for another day. So... I ended up looking into math certification because I thought, well, where are jobs for women more marketable? And it was basically science and math. Science I couldn't do because I couldn't do the labs. It would take too much time. But I found out that math was 60 college credits, and I could teach a lot of that myself and test out of classes. So that's what I did. I taught myself material. I tested out of math classes. And then I also took a path. I pieced together a class here and another class in this school and another class in that school. If you looked at my transcripts, I think I had transcripts from, what is it, like seven or eight different colleges in that period after my husband left because this college offered this program and this college offered that class and this college offered another one. I took classes on, at Sunday, on Sundays down in New York Teachers Union down in New York City. I am not a city person, so that's another whole issue. It was amazing. It was a path that New York State said had never been done and everybody told me could not be done. And I did it because I made up my mind to. I had those five kids to support. I had nothing else coming in. I had no hope for the future. I had to make my own path. I had to make my own escape out of this plan that I had ended up in. And my my way out of that was through math. And let me tell you, I am not a math person or I was not a math person. I've kind of learned to like it a little bit now. I teach high school algebra and actually I love my students. That's really the main thing is that when I looked at what kind of job I needed, I decided that it's not so much teaching. I love the fifth grade curriculum. Again, that was U.S. history and things when I was younger and taught that when I was fresh out of school. I think it's changed a little bit now, but still kind of similar. So I love, I love the teaching curriculum, but really what I love most of all is working with people. And if that meant I had to teach math and work with high school kids, that would be amazing. And that's what I've done. And I love my high school students. They're just every single one of them. I think in all of my years of teaching, maybe three kids that really got on my nerves, like try a couple of years ago, I taught in a Catholic school too. And they said, see the face of Jesus in every student. And I really try to do that all the time, even the kids that try my patients. I know that they go home and they have issues and things that they're dealing with that nobody else knows about. Just like when I was their age, I was dealing with things that nobody else knew about and I put on a good face, but I didn't deal with it. And that's one of the things, you know, we tend to escape by running away from something. And I know that part of my philosophy is that running away is not the same thing as running to. So I look at different things. I escaped. I was bullied in like fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. It was my life was miserable at, at school. I hated. I can't even imagine what kids go through now with social media and the constant barrage where they just can't escape. But I was, I, I, I ran away from my problems there and went to another school. And at that school, I, I thrived. I was one of prom princess and, you know, one of the princesses, thank God I didn't make queen because I did not want to dance in front of everybody and do the whole look at me kind of thing. But, you know, there I was athlete, I was outspoken, I was, um, I think pretty much everybody more or less liked me. There were a couple, you know, towards the end that we kind of clashed, we had just spent four years together, um, no hard feelings toward them. Um, hopefully they don't have hard feelings towards me. But again, running away rather than running to, I went to college after that, 
and my college, I went from one college to another college, one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. Again, not dealing with issues is a huge issue. (laughs) Running away rather than running to is something I spent a lot of my life doing. And one of the things I'm most grateful for with my husband leaving is that it forced me to kind of stop running away from things and start thinking, what the crap am I doing? (laughs) How can I run to something and what can I run to? So the math was something that I ran to, again, not because of my love of math, but because of my love of teaching and love of people and humanity in general, and because I really needed to provide for my boys. So there was a little bit of crisis crisis growth in there. Uh, That's one of the things that I love too, is that God gives us the opportunity to grow in crisis. That's where we really grow the most. And I've done a lot of research on military and some of the trauma recovery. And you know, we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress. I don't, again, there's some debate on whether that word disorder should be in there because that sounds like something's wrong. And I actually think for some of what the trauma that people have been through, it would be almost more of a disorder, would be more of a disorder if they weren't experiencing post-traumatic stress. So post-traumatic stress, but there's also a concept called post-traumatic growth, which I think is fascinating and amazing. And I think that's what makes you rise out of victimhood status and into victory. Post-traumatic growth is something that I'm fascinated with and I've studied and I do see in some of my, my growth and my experiences straight from the the math certification and raising the five boys, which they will tell you I'm certainly not perfect. They will No, gosh, I don't even want to think about what they'd say. But one of the things that I noticed is that other people, like remember I said I lived in a small town and everybody kind of knew our story. Well, there was a woman whose name I kind of knew, but I didn't know her. I don't know if I even recognized her at the time. But (laughs) one day I was home and the boys were at school and a knock came to the door and I opened the door and there was this woman there sobbing. And she asked to come in and said, my husband is cheating on me. What do I do? My husband's leaving. He's cheating. What do I do? And I was still in a state of um, trauma myself, maybe, where I was not able to help her. I sat and listened, but I remember listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't help this woman. How do I help her? I had had a crisis of faith after my husband left. There were all sorts of things. And, and I just didn't have the tools. I didn't have the resources. I wasn't in a position where I was strong enough to help her. So if you're on a sinking ship or you're a lifeguard, I was a lifeguard as a kid. Um, you know, if I'm a lifeguard and I'm not swimming myself and I'm not strong enough myself, there's no way that I'm going to be able to pull somebody else out. And I sat there in our li- in my living room with her and thinking, I am not strong enough that I can help her out. I can't pull her up because I'm still at the position where I need to be pulled up. And that conversation really got to me. And I thought, you know, God, you've given me this position. You've given me faith. You've given me um, intelligence. And God has given me a lot of gifts and to honor him and to honor the, the crisis that he gave me, I need to figure out how to best use those. At that time, I decided that I was going to become a life coach. I wanted to do psychology. I didn't have the money or the time to take all the courses that I would have needed to become a licensed psychologist, but I was able to do life coaching and I attained my ICF certification. I also did the Dave Ramsey coaching. I told you I'd done Dave Ramsey years ago on my own. Well, I stand by Dave Ramsey so strongly that I took the Dave Ramsey Master Coach Certification course and I have his coaching certification. And I really began to 
look into what was going to push me to be a better person. Study the habits of successful people. I studied the habits of some of the guys from who had returned from the Middle East in some of the most horrific wars. And I can't imagine what they go through. So I don't want to compare my situation to theirs. But I thought like, if they can do it, I darn well better because I have no excuse for not living my best life if they're out there sacrificing their lives and, and their families and all the trauma that goes along with their children and their wives and parents and siblings and things when a, a man or woman goes overseas and returns healthy, never mind the ones that are injured or lost, unfortunately. All right. So my philosophy is that we are given an incredible life and we need to be honest with our, with our failings and honest with our gifts, honest with our faults. We need to be forgiving, but there is no excuse. God gave us so much and our men and women who serve give us so much in this country. We have the greatest country in America, in, the, in, America, in the world, and that's not something we can brush off. So I've put together coaching programs where I do one-on-one coaching for women. I also do overcomer coaching basically, and it's taking women from that victim mentality to a victorious mentality. And a lot of it's exploring virtues and finding, finding things that are going to help you boost you up. I know one of my favorite quotes was from Ronald Reagan. It said, America is too great for small dreams. And I had that cut out. I actually had it cut out before my husband left. And you know those coincidences? Shortly after he left, I came across that same cutout magazine. And it was probably five years old when my husband left. I just cut it out and saved it. And suddenly it appeared. And I still have that quote, America is too great for small dreams. And that was kind of what I hung on to. Even when my faith had crashed and I wasn't sure yet, um, the Holy Spirit hadn't picked me up yet. He has now. I'm all good again. We're back in the boat with with God. (laughs) But uh, again, I know that there is a path to victory for each of us. I know that God does not leave us sitting in this victimhood status, that that's kind of something we do to ourselves due to our experiences and to training. And I'm hoping that through these podcasts and through my coaching and through my writing and through just anything that I can do that I'm lifting up, you know, I basically work with women, teenage girls, but anybody listening, know that people have sacrificed so that we can live better. God has sacrificed. Jesus Christ has sacrificed himself so that we can live better. Just step out in faith. And I think I'm going to end it there because I could probably go on forever and ever and ever. Let's just say faith, family, country. This this is the life that we're given. We're given one shot. We're given one life. And we are not created to be victims. We are created to be victorious. God has already won the battle. So stop fighting it. Get on, get on board. All right. Okay. I'm going to end it there. And please let me know if there's comments that you have. I hope that you, again, reach out, Carrie at straylinggrace.com or through my site, straylinggrace.com. Share, like, follow me. And again, I really do want to hear from you. So let me know what episodes you would like to hear, what topics you would like to hear discussed, and what you're dealing with. And just know that life is good. God bless.